0: My main focus is always to go where the fun is. I say that a lot because it's really the only way to describe my career trajectory so far. Even if that initial reaction isn't what you want it to be, it will come. That's my general message is give it time and don't let anybody make you feel like you shouldn't be where you are. This might sound insane, but I love a show where something goes wrong.
1: Welcome to the Theatre Art Live podcast and hello. We're putting the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the globe, the culture creators and the backstage masters. My name is Anna Rob,
2: And my name is Anna Aguilera. Kat Lander is with us today to talk about stage management and production management. Kat is a stage and production manager from the United States with a BFA
1: from Carnegie Mellon and a love for all forms of light entertainment. She considers herself a versatile manager, having worked in theatre, circus, theme parks, cruise ships, and most recently, international mega events. Kat is currently based in the UAE, working as a production manager for events and entertainment at Expo 2020 Dubai, which is now 2021, the largest event ever hosted in the Middle East. She turns 25 this month and is very passionate about being a resource for other young female leaders. Kat, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. What an opportunity for you to be in Dubai right now. Tell us, uh, what's the energy like now that it's coming close to opening?
0: Well, the energy is really ramping up. Uh, We are just a little bit over two months from our opening day, and people are really, really getting excited to open up to the world. As you know, and as you just noted, this was meant to open about a year ago and of course due to covid it has been delayed so um there's a lot of there's a lot of pent-up excitement we're really looking forward to having guests uh join us it's going to be really really fabulous um so for this to be one of the one of the first kind of major events to to happen post or during pandemic is really going to be something special uh, to see.
2: That's cool. I'm kind of tempted to backtrack then, like you started with Expo. Is there anything else you want to talk about Expo and then we go back on your
0: experiences in life? Oh, sure. Um, Yes, so I'm a production manager in the events and entertainment department at Expo, which means a whole lot of things because it's a very collaborative department. So we all work on a lot of different things for the event, but primarily I have been focused over the past five months or so on the scheduling for the department. So all of our load in technical schedules, um, our shift patterns, things like that, basically anything that the department needs schedule wise. Um, And then I've also been coordinating with our international participant uh, shows. So we have hundreds and hundreds, I think we're actually in the thousands now of shows that will be coming from all over the world over the course of the six-month event, and all of those shows uh, need to be put on by the same group. So there's a lot of integration to be done between each of those international teams and our contractors that we have here in Dubai to make sure that we have a good plan for actually delivering those shows come event time. So that's been the bulk of my job up until now, and I'm actually this week, uh, moving on to our Al special projects team. Uh, so Al is this huge, beautiful performance venue that we have in the center of site. It's a it's a massive projection dome with a big, beautiful stage in the center of it. And over the course of the six months, we'll have a lot, a lot, a lot of shows going into this space. But we also will have many unique kind of one off shows. Um so we'll have some headline talent, some other shows coming in from, from partners and things like that uh, with Expo. So there are there are many really fun things going on. And so we've 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 formed a, a team a special projects team for those unique events. And uh, I start working on that project this week. So there's a whole lot of really exciting stuff going on. And it's been just an amazing opportunity for me, especially coming out of, you know, a a long time without entertainment uh, and in, you know, working from home and not not having my hands on shows for a while, this has been just uh, an amazing time
1: out of out of interest has there been sort of discussion comparison talk about how the olympics are going and you know because this is another massive global event that is bringing people together is there any kind of market research or research on that behalf of from you as a team looking at what's happening over there and thinking about how that might apply with you guys yeah
0: i think it's on everyone's mind and we're watching what's happening there in general though we're very laser focused on the events and entertainment and we are really planning on delivering that to the best of our ability and letting the rest of the business kind of determine what's going to be the most safe so of course we have our own our own covid compliance and our own procedures that we are following and then if if the business decides to take any further measures um, that's something that we'll adjust to but for now we're just we're planning to go ahead Exactly as planned, and we will adjust as necessary. But yeah, it's definitely people are very aware of of the situation and are watching the Olympics closely. Uh, many of my colleagues um, have spent their careers working on the Olympics, so there's a lot of there's a lot of buzz in the office. But we are very hopeful that things will go on as planned, at least for us here in Dubai.
1: So, going back from before Dubai 2020, you've had quite a varied career, I guess, I would say, for um, an American stage management, production management person, even from the get. And you're uh, quite young already and you've got a lot of things under your belt. So, what was your, when you graduated from, from your BFA, what was your sort of focus and how did you get out into the industry once you, once you finished your education?
0: Sure. So my main focus is always to go where the fun is. I say that a lot because it's really the only way to describe my career trajectory so far. Um, So while I was in college, I made a very specific point to not do any of the same gigs as much as possible, just so that I could figure out what it is that I like and what I want to do. So like after my freshman year, I worked as a production intern and event coordinator for an Extreme Pogo company based out of New York City. Um, And so that was my first foray into events. And then the next summer, I was an entertainment operations intern at Universal Studios Hollywood in LA. So I got to know the theme park world a little bit. The next summer, I was a stage management intern at Cirque du Soleil in Vegas. And that introduced me to a whole world of of circus. And then many of my colleagues there had worked in tours and cruise ships. And I got to kind of know through them all these other options that were available. So when I graduated, I did a summer at Williamstown because I hadn't had the summer stock experience. And like I said, I was trying to kind of tick all the boxes. And uh, right after that, I went off to cruise ships. So I joined my first cruise ship in September of 2018 with Celebrity Cruises, and it was absolutely wonderful. Um, I loved working on ships. And for me, it, it was just such a special experience because there are very few places in the world <laughs> that will hand the keys to a theater to a 22-year-old. So for me, the, the really important part there was that I had some ownership I was able to, you know, manage teams. I was able to get the experience of operationally managing a theater on a moving ship. I got to see so much of the world. I've been to fifty-two countries now, as of this week. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's a very, it's a really wonderful way. I think, for a young professional to, to get started. I knew that I wanted to travel. I knew that I wanted that responsibility um, right off the bat. Uh, and that's one of those great options for doing that. So when, when COVID hit, of course, we stopped sailing for a little while. But I had been in a position where I was kind of working half with our shoreside team and half on our ships. I was managing projects that were happening across the fleet. So when Covid hit, I was working uh, in a role that was a combination shoreside and shipboard. So it was a bit of a weird position to be in because I still had some project work, but I wasn't quite on board. and with the with the pandemic, we' we didn't know we didn't know how long this was going to last, right? So, So for me, um, it's really, it's really quite a relief to be back in entertainment and to be back working on shows, putting my hands on shows again, because there was such a a period of limbo there, where we were planning for things, but we didn't know if or when they were going to happen. So it's, it's been really great to be back.
2: You mentioned working for Shoreside. I also worked in Ships, so I totally understand what you're talking about, but I don't know if it's super clear for our audience like a little bit of the structure of what is working on ships so if you yeah like absolutely a brief overview of how working on ship works and that <laughs> difference
0: um sure so the general breakdown of a cruise ship company at least in the entertainment department is you have a shoreside support department that's either a studio um or just a kind of Office version. So at my company, I worked for Celebrity Cruises, which is the kind of luxury line for Royal Caribbean. So on each ship, we had a venue production manager that ran all of the entertainment outside of the theater, which is what I started as. And then there is a stage and production manager. And the stage and production manager is the person who runs the theater, uh, who manages the tech team, who manages the cast and runs all the shows as well as all of the automation. So the stage and production manager is really the person on the ground,
1: <laughs>
0: on the ocean. And then there's a whole shoreside support team that is in Miami that supports all of the production managers, all of the casts, all of the tech teams that are on the ships. So by the time I left cruise ships, uh, I was what we call the traveling stage and production manager. So what I would do is I basically managed projects that were happening across the fleet. So I was touring with the American Ballet Theater. Uh, We were hopping from ship to ship. That was a project that we were working on. And then we would do what is called dry dock. So it's basically when you pull, as you know, Anna, uh, when you pull a ship out of the water to basically do all the refurbishments that it needs. So we worked on some of those in Spain uh, and then more recently, uh, I was project managing the opening of our newest ship, Celebrity Apex, uh, which has just started sailing in the last few weeks, which is fabulous. I'm very happy for them. But that was kind of my my last project with them. And it, as you know, took quite a long time to actually come to fruition. So for me, it was a little bit of a game of will it happen, will it not happen? Uh, many months of, of kind of waiting and hoping and working on it, but not knowing if it was ever going to sail. Um, so that's why I eventually decided to move on and do something new, just because as a stage manager, as a doer, as a person who just really missed doing shows, uh, it was it was time for me to to find something else And I was really, really lucky to stumble upon this awesome event. And I I wish them well all the time. Um, I I have great respect for people who work on ships. It's a really wild, difficult lifestyle. You have to be a little bit crazy to do it. And I think they are tackling the challenge really, really well right now.
1: I think it's interesting because a lot of the people that I have encountered, I have not worked on a ship myself but my husband did for 10 years and also a lot of the people that I've worked with have worked on ships for many of their or dabbled in and out of it in part of their career I find it that a lot of people that come from ships are very resourceful production people and I and I kind of get that idea because you know when you're in the ship in the middle of nowhere you've got to make it happen no matter what it's not like you can call up Los Angeles from Las Vegas and be like oh we need this come and send it over like you have to figure it exactly. out exactly and um and I think that plays out really well um also perhaps in the, I'd like actually both of your opinions on this but like because you end up maybe not doing just the role that you've been designated for but you become that catch-all purely for the reason of like the show has to go on so we have to go do that that and that and that to make it happen then then so be it and I really like that mentality actually because that's where that's how I approach a project and that's why I feel I think I have an affiliation with both people who've worked on cruise ships do you guys feel that that that's kind of the mentality that you have to adopt once you're on there
0: absolutely like you said if you are in the middle of the ocean you have only what is on board you have your hands you have your brain and you have your team and luckily like you said. The people who work on cruise ships, they tend to all have the same mentality, right? Of just get it done no matter what. And it's a really awesome environment to work and learn and grow in. Because even if you don't come in with that mindset, you will adjust to it very quickly because you have no other choice. (laughs) So it's it's a really exciting place to work. It's a seven day a week gig right so so it's you're you're playing with your own resources as well right so you're you're trying to figure out you know what can I give today and how many roles can I play today and and literally there are only enough cabins for so many people so many of us are playing multiple roles like I said before the stage and production manager is also the automation operator um, you know, we have uh, tech guys who who will also manage small teams within the larger team. Everybody's in it to make it happen. Kind of environment.
1: I'm literally going on a cruise ship next week for three days. Never been on one. Excited cruise to nowhere out of Hong Kong, and I'm looking forward to seeing if there's any entertainment. So I'm I'm not sure if there is because it's like not of a real like long cruise or anything like that. But uh, I'm kind of super pumped to see the environment there.
2: That is awesome. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that is cool. I do have a few friends that are back on board, either rehearsing or having shows already and stuff. So I don't know. But yeah, and it literally comes in some cases with the job description that I think, especially when it comes to safety, it's everyone's job description. Always, but on ships more so. There are so many people on board. We can only have so many cabins. We can only have so many crew members. These are the tasks that are beyond your normal job that you will have to do but on the other hand yeah i got to run just fix sound equipment and mm-hmm. run lighting boards and old lighting shows and, and do a lot of other things that normally they're a little bit more jealous to let me do what can you tell us about well since you've been ticking all the boxes something we don't think have talked about at all on the podcast, there are the summer stocks in the United States, which are a very US thing. What was your experience with Williamstown and the summer stocks?
0: So when I worked at Williamstown, I was the production manager for our directing studio space. And so I was working a lot with some of the interns and associates who were putting on smaller shows. I think we had an 11-show season in that kind of studio space. And then I also supported the greater production department for the main stage shows as well. So I think, as you've seen in news recently, there is a bit of a reckoning happening right now um, in the United States uh, when it comes to summer stock and when it comes to the way that early career professionals are being treated in these Uh, In some of these companies. And I think it's indicative of a wider industry problem. Um, I think that we need to work a lot harder to value early career theater makers. I think that the unpaid internship needs to become a thing of the past. Um, I think it's a major barrier to entry for the industry. I think that if we want to actually implement a more accessible industry, then that needs to go. We need to stop telling young people that their time is not worth money, that their time is not worth the living expenses that they need to pay. Um, Because I think it's, it's setting a mindset really early That they their time is not worth what other people's time is worth. And I think it's setting a bit of a culture that lasts. It's not just the internship, right? It's a, it's a, it's a mentality. And I think we need to be valuing everybody in the industry and making sure that people feel comfortable speaking up for themselves, that people can advocate for themselves. That's really difficult to do when we accept. As an industry, that there are some people who can work very long hours, seven days a week, without compensation. Those are my thoughts on U.S. summer stock theater.
1: <laughs> I think that's a really interesting and and profound kind of point of view. I, I mean, maybe it's not profound. I mean, it's well well regarded in, in in the American situation over there, and I don't think it's probably solely an American issue, although Summerstock is, like you said, a particular beast and a, and a format that runs. But I think in other parts of the world, it's also the same. There is that expectation that, that younger theatre makers have to earn their stripes come hell or hell, high water, right, before they get gain that credibility and able to ask for a decent paycheck. And um, it really just Globally, that's just not a great way to do it. But that, that comes down to a, probably a bigger aspect of just general advocacy for the arts, you know, and and that it's important. Yeah. And and as we've said to many podcast guests, if anything's going to show how necessary the arts is, is this pandemic. Now people do want to get out. They do want to see a concert. They do want to see a show. They do want Broadway to open back up. They want things to happen because they've missed it. And even while they were sitting inside their uh houses for the last 12 months or whatever they're watching netflix and they were listening to music and they were listening to all these people that keep them entertained while they're not down there doing maths on their on their on an, on an exercise book right like they're they're, they're consuming the arts, so it's really important
0: especially in america right now i think a lot of us took a step back during the pandemic and tried to have conversations about what we want our industry to head toward and what our industry should look like. And the thing is, we can't build a diverse industry if we're only allowing a certain subset of socioeconomic class to be able to take an unpaid internship. This industry is so dependent on not only what you've done, but who you know. And if, if you never get your foot in the door while you're, while you're young, it can be such an uphill battle. Um, so I just feel like if we actually want to achieve the goals that a lot of us have set out to, to achieve over the past year, year and a half, that we've had the chance to take a hard look at our industry, we have to make it way more accessible than it is right now.
1: I think also the thing that was astounding to me when I first lived in America was the fact that people didn't take any vacation. And that wasn't just solely the arts. That was just like generally that you have like two weeks a year and you're like, what, two weeks a year? as an Australian? I'm like,
2: what? And I sometimes they don't even take them.
1: Uh, it's this, this. So this is. This blows true. my mind. This blows I, my mind. <laughs> I would
0: actually love I would actually love to comment on this because when we talk about accessibility in the theater and in the greater entertainment industry it is not just about entering the industry it's about staying in it as well because when I first came out to Dubai I was given my contract and I saw the number of vacation days I had and I actually laughed out loud because I thought it was because you're given a couple of vacation days and it's generally frowned upon to use them. So when I when I arrived, I had no intention of taking any of my annual leave days. And I I sat in my office and I was listening to these other people in my department talking about how they were going to use their annual leave. And I remember just spinning around in my chair and looking at them and I said, wait, people actually use their leave here? And they looked at me like I had three heads. <laughs> I, 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 I told them, no, really, you, you're going to use them and no one is going to judge you for it and everyone's going to support that decision. And they said, yes why would we not use our annual leave days it's in our contract and it took me days of asking other people wait it's really okay if i take my days off to actually believe that it is okay for me to take my days off and it is such a it's such a huge culture difference because you know it, we talk a lot in america about mental health and about having work life balance but you can't actually do that until it's, until it's given to you the opportunity. And, and here I've found that that's so much more valued. That's one thing I really love about Expo is people really value your mental well-being and your ability to strike a balance between your work and your personal life. People don't glorify working too many hours or working an extra day a week you know, they, we take two day weekends, we typically don't work more than 45 hours in a week. And we use our vacation days, which to me is baffling. But to them is just common sense. It's how you have a good, productive team is, is to have a well rested and happy team. And I love that. I love that mentality. And I think now from now on, I'm going to be looking for that in the jobs that I take uh, is, is that mentality and that opportunity, especially as someone who loves to travel and as someone who's in a long distance relationship, it's really important to me to have those days. And I'm savoring every single one of them, because even though I love my job, I also love to rest. So it's a, it's a very good, it's a very good experience for me to have as an American to realize that this is actually a possibility elsewhere.
1: Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And then with the UAE, you've got Ramadan and you've got Eid. and You got like you got times where you just like getting weeks off. <laughs> like-
0: oh, absolutely, yes. Eid began on a Monday last week, and I took off to Azerbaijan, and I only used one annual leave day to be gone for a week. So it is
2: really fabulous. <laughs> yeah, and if you end up working them because it's entertainment and that's what we do, and we do shows, they. Pay you off and then you can pile them up. Oh, my God. Exactly. I do miss this. Thanks.
1: (laughs) I think you've you've touched on a few important topics, I think, with regards to young people coming into the industry and then also, you know, work-life balance and things like that. Would you want to comment on being a young woman in leadership positions in the industry and has that been difficult for you as you move from place to place? I, I think we all have our own struggles in, in in multiple ways, but what's your experience?
0: I think it is particularly interesting to be a young female manager in a lot of international teams because I come from a place where, in general, everybody gets the the same level of respect for the most part. And it is difficult sometimes to walk onto a ship, for example, uh, with perhaps a team of mostly men who are now being managed by this young American woman. Um, and there's usually a moment of, oh, really? But I think it's really important to ignore that as much as possible, because I'm a very firm believer that respect is earned. And so my general principle is, is give it time, you know? Um, so what I usually say to other young woman managers is just don't make anyone feel like you should not be where you are. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. If you are a good leader, if you care about your job, if you put in the time and the work and you advocate for your team, then you are doing everything that you need to do. And the respect will come. The respect will come from putting in the work and taking care of your people and making sure that everything is running as it should be. And even if that initial reaction isn't what you want it to be it will come that's my general message is give it time and don't let anybody make you feel like you shouldn't be where you are i had a i had a mentor actually at circ who who told me once that i i was going i was going about sharing my age wrong because i would i used to hide it i used to be really really quiet about my age i wouldn't answer people if they asked me how old i was because i was afraid that it would make people not respect me um, because they would automatically assume that I don't have much experience or that I'm too young to be wherever I was. And and she told me, (laughs) she said, honey, you're going about this the exact wrong way. You need to be shouting your age. She said, when people ask you, you should say, yeah, I'm 25. And here we both are. (laughs) And, um, and I really, I really liked that mentality. She, she kind of taught me to, to own where I am and, and to not let people question how I got there or why I'm there. And, and just to, just to be in the moment and be the best manager and leader that I possibly can be.
2: Yeah. Be the best you can be. It doesn't matter who you are, just be the best you can be. Exactly. What do you think is the thing you like the most about your job?
0: I love an opening night and I'm really looking forward to this event opening on October 1st. I think there's something really special about all those months of planning and all those meetings and all those reports um, kind of coming together to create something really special for an audience. I think that, especially right now, as an industry, I think we're really craving an opening night. Uh, and, and so for me, that's something that I always look forward to, but particularly now. Also, something almost always goes wrong on opening night. And this might sound insane, but I love a show where something goes wrong. Uh, <laughs> not to a point where anybody would get hurt or there would be any, any concern like that but I think there is probably nothing more exciting than a show where at least a couple of things go wrong unless you are the shark you, cola,
1: and then you're freaking out
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's actually honestly that is my that is one of my favorite things in the world is uh, is to show call in a crisis and I well, know that sounds absolutely insane but to me that's like the best roller coaster ever
1: <laughs> yeah I, 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 I I say that because there was a, a minor hiccup on the opening night of the House of Dancing Water many years ago and we had, you know, I'd worked two years to get there and there's so much writing on a $250 million show, right, like in the opening night. And we became very au fait with dealing with all of the disasters that would happen when automation stopped. But I just didn't want it to happen on the opening night. But, uh we overcome it but there was that moment where it was in the last 15 minutes where the lift stopped and I was like no (laughs) we're almost there please let's get through this also when you've built the show and it's just there like you don't have all those contingencies ready to go right so it's really hard just to be like okay the pressure's on and I'm gonna have to make a decision on the fly that hasn't been done before and um you've got all these people watching that and it's either going to work or it's not going to work. <laughs> it's, it's fun. It is fun.
0: My first show stop was actually my very first week as the stage and production manager for the company I was working for. It was, I think, the first or second show I had even done on board. And it was so nerve wracking because I had I had never had to stop a show before. We had a full audience and it was terrifying. My my hands were shaking. Uh but you know it's one of those moments where it's almost like everything slows down. Like you just see everything in slow motion and you just go through your, your checklist and your brain of okay, what needs to happen now? <laughs> and and it's and it's a bit scary, but but for me it's like it's so fun and there's there's such a there's such a sense of satisfaction after you've successfully made it through that hurdle right especially at the show caller and particularly on ships when you're also the automation operator so you're trying to very calmly explain to everyone what we're going to do now while you're troubleshooting with the other hand and it's a to me that's just the most fun way to spend an evening (laughs)
1: That's how we know you're a good stage management nerd, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've spoken about a lot of things that would change about the job or the industry, um, but is there anything else that you would like to see happen with the industry moving forward, coming out of COVID, um, whether it be in any realm that you've already worked in or, or others?
0: I think for me,
1: accessibility is really the main thing is making
0: sure that we build an industry. That is accepting and welcoming of absolutely everybody that gives everyone a chance and doesn't have so many of these barriers, like the unpaid internships, or also like low paying starting jobs, not being transparent in job postings, things like that. Things that I think really back people into a corner and make them make the choice between do I want to do the thing that I love or do I want to pay rent this month? That's not a fair choice. Um, And I think as as an industry, I think we can do better. And I think as individual stage managers, performers, technicians, we can also, I think, take this opportunity to advocate for ourselves better. Um, I think this moment away has given a lot of people time to think and time to think about their priorities and what's important to them and what they expect out of the companies that they're working for. So I would say really moving forward, it has to be all about accessibility because there's so much talent out there. And if we don't give everybody a chance, then we're only weakening ourselves as an industry.
2: If people want to to reach out, chat, um, see what you're working on, how can people contact you? So I am a
0: huge LinkedIn nerd. I think that LinkedIn is the best website um, on the internet. So if that's not really true, but I love LinkedIn. Uh, if anyone wants to find me, they could just search for Cat Landry and send me a message. And I would love to chat.
1: I think it's amazing that ooh, there's been this very tangible shift over the last 12 months I don't know if you've noticed it Anna where people used to say my Instagram or my Facebook and really like the last five podcasts is everyone's like find me on LinkedIn and I just I think that's amazing because I really think that the industry has started to embrace that as a platform from a professional development and connection point of view and I think that's super cool. I actually I got this
0: job through LinkedIn it was a total act of the universe i happened to reach out to my the director of my current department and told her this is my background this is what i'm interested in i really think that expo is a cool project do you have anything going and she was literally interviewing candidates that week for a job that hadn't been posted so it was a it was a crazy coincidence. And then I ended up moving to Dubai because of it. So I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. I'm a big fan of, of the cold email of reaching out and saying, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. Are you looking for someone like me? I think that's a huge, that's a huge, awesome strategy, I think for, for young people as well. And, and it just goes back to advocating for yourself and kind of reaching out and taking the things that, you want out of mm-hmm. your life two things this is how the podcast
2: started <laughs> and remember the episode we had with alexandria uh from the, the actors fund correct yeah, yeah when they when she was like yeah everyone should get like the industry should embrace the uh linkedin and yeah
1: yeah, I mean, Alexandra was a big advocate. She started running yeah. those classes for arts people to to work out how to use LinkedIn and advocate for themselves and everything like that. And the fruits of her labour are here. It's there. We're all using it. <laughs> she can be proud. <laughs> oh, Kat, thank you so much for your time. I know it's super early there for you. We really appreciate um, you spending an hour with us and 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 giving us your insights and your all of your things that you've been doing in Dubai. We really appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I love the podcast.
2: (laughs) We would love to hear from you, our listeners, on who you would like us to feature on this podcast or what topics fascinate you. There is a link in our podcast description where you can send us your requests and guest nominations. Theatre Art Life provides regular monthly webinars and podcast episodes for free. If you have the means, donations can be made via a link in the podcast notes. We would be thankful for any support you can give us. You can learn more about Theatre Art Live, the global media site for entertainment at www.theatreartlive.com and you can follow us on all social media platforms. We want to thank David Sire for composing the music for our podcast. We are your hosts, Anna and Anna, and this is the Theatre Art Life podcast.